Hi, I'm Mo. Marissa Mo. Um, I'm 21 and I currently am not in school, but I work at First Watch. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Merlika. I'm 25. Um, I'm currently in school trying to finish graduating. <laughs> so, well, one time <laughs> I was walking home from school and there's like this crosswalk to like get to the other side of the street and I was waiting for the light to change and um, the light turned green for the cars to go and this car slowed down and he threw ice water at me and called me the n-word hard er and I think after that day like I've become very reserved like I don't speak out of turn or like, I don't know. Like if anybody knows me knows like I'm the quiet one. And I think like after that day, I've just been like, yeah, very to myself. But yeah, that day will forever stick with me, I guess. Mine was a few years ago. Um, I lived in Springfield, Missouri and I had gone to Walmart to pick up a refrigerator. Cause you know, like your parents can do Walmart to Walmart. But I was like, I got you a fridge. And so I went to go pick it up. Um, and drove, parked my car, drove up, went up to customer service to go get it. Helps loaded it. The guy helped me load it into my car and I was walking out and um, it was sticking out of my car and I couldn't see, really see ahead. I'm pretty tall, but I just couldn't see over the refrigerator. Um, and I bumped into someone and me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to, I didn't see you. Um, like, are you okay? Um, and it was a, a white lady. Um, and she looked at me like very startled. She looked scared. She clutched her purse and she ran into the other direction. Um, and I pushed my card out to my car. I cried and I called my mom and I said, I don't know what just happened, but I don't ever, ever want to feel like that again. Like we, we, we knew it was happening, like obviously, cause we, have ex we pretty much have experienced like racism like every day of our lives. Um, but unconsciously we kind of would block some of it out because after a while, it takes so much of a toll on you that you, numb it out. you, you just numb it out. Mm -hmm. um, and to visually see it happen and to visually see the uproar afterward, um, it just brought back a lot more. And you can't be numb to it anymore. It's harder to not pay attention and to not realize what's happening to you when it occurs. This time was different because it was public. Everyone saw what happened. So no one could say, oh, this didn't happen, or we don't believe you, because it was literally caught on camera. We talk a lot. Like, as a family, we talk a lot. We talk about everything. Like, we are, I mean, our family's pretty open, but um, we just have more conversation to, like, make sure that, like, we're not numb to it and that we are realizing, like, something has to change.
sometimes you just need to take a break. You know, you gotta breathe, you gotta step away from it, watch a, a fun movie or something. Um, we're not numb to it in that sense, but sometimes emotionally it's too much. And so um, I need an emotional break from it. Yeah. Who I like talk to, like having conversations with people. I think that's helped me a lot. Whether it just be like a normal conversation or them actually wanting to listen and um, being aware of what's happening. I think that's been a, like a big help for me. Yeah, just having conversations. We've been trying to be very slow to anger um, because we don't want to have resentment towards anyone, um, but also we don't want to be bitter towards life. Because, I mean, we moved to this country because we, my mom thought that this would be a safer place for us and a better place for her to raise us. And in some ways it has been, but in other ways we had to learn what life was really like here. I think the biggest thing is how they're kind of, people are kind of putting everyone into the same category, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, because in one part, it was literally just a hashtag that came out and it was because of what happened with Trayvon Martin. Um, and then it, Ferguson happened and then it was a movement and then it became an organization. And I think the biggest thing is that a lot of people, a lot of Christians are having issues with, with what they stand for. Mm -hmm. um, I literally had someone make this like lengthy post where she literally dissected every section of what they believe in, um, how this is biblical, this is not biblical, and make sure you really understand what you're supporting, and then the comments, this is when I really had to get off of social media because it was literally people that I looked up to who were in ministry responding. And it just became like an overwhelming feeling of, I'm a Christian who's an African-American and you're telling me right now that Black Lives Matter as a movement or as an organization does not stand up to your beliefs, which I understand. But at the same time, to me, that's saying that I don't matter that much to you because there's bigger problems in the world. Or we can only fix this with, you know, the gospel or the love of Christ. Like, you know, faith came with you. There's work to do, like believe in the gospel changing people's lives and love and all of that, but you still have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people right now are just talking, a lot of talk or sharing a lot of Bible verses. And I'm like, that's great. Thanks for the encouragement today, but what else are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do? You need to do something. Whether it's you get up on that stage in front of your church body and speak up or you say, we're gonna have a conversation as a staff and we're gonna fix this in our body, of, in the body of Christ that attends our church. Or we're gonna make sure that everyone that attends this church feels included and welcomed and loved. 
Because if we don't, we are part of the problem. People are like, well, you know, my ancestors did that and I, my family doesn't believe this way. Okay, but what, how are you raising your children to believe? Because if you don't fix this now, my children are gonna be dealing with this. And I would prefer it not to be that way. Those posts that everyone's sharing that's saying like, if you're silent, you're being racist. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the case. Like if you don't have anything to say, then that's fine. In my perspective, I think it's like, if you're be being silent towards your friends who you know are different, like if you're not checking in on them or like you only talk to them when you need something. Like, I feel like if you're being silent towards your friends and not like genuinely checking on them and seeing how they're doing, cause like this is taking a toll on a lot of people's mental health. And like, it's hard when those people that you think would like be there for you aren't. If your silence is on social media, I would rather you be very loud in your private life. You mm -hmm. know, like if you have racist family members, call them out. You know, like what are you reading to your kids? Like what are you saying? Are you thinking about what you're about to say before you speak? Like it's things like that. Like I would rather people be silent on social media and work within themselves because this is definitely a heart issue. You can't fix this this isn't going to happen and this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of people need to remember that. The first like Bible verse or like Christian thing to say is like, love others. And it's just like, it's been so overused and like, that's hard because like, that's what we should be doing. Like Jesus says, like the greatest commandment is like, like love others, you know, love others as yourself, you know, love thy neighbor. Um, and we always talk about who is your neighbor? And they're like, well, it's people around you and the people in your community and the people everywhere, right? Yes, they are your neighbor. But remember in the body of Christ, your neighbors don't always look like you. You have to love them too in different ways. And I think people tend to just lump, we kind of lump each other together which makes it difficult because then they're like, oh, we, we've known them, we love them. Right. You know, and yeah, I'm grateful you love me, but you love me, but you don't see me as different. Yeah. And so I think that's what's hard <laughs> right yeah. now is that people don't know how to have that conversation because the body of Christ never has, it, never has had it. This has been, like we talk about it being systematic. Like this is engraved into our culture, into our, like this, the system, even into the body of like Christianity. Like, I think people need to really learn their history too. I think, I think that's the biggest thing about what I'm having trouble with, with, with some things is like, there were literally like leaders of the church, like when they first started, like who were owning slaves. Like that's a part of history that no one wants to talk about and acknowledge that. And I'm like, that's where the divide started and you can't go think about what's been going on and not acknowledge the fact that this is not, this is nothing new. This has been happening for generations upon generations. Like, this is not something that just occurred. Like this is what's literally built into what we believe.
and people have been like, oh, it's not too, it's, we, we're not all like that. I'm like, mm, you're not, you may not blatantly be that way, but there are things that you do that you may not even know that could be con like contributing to the problem. I think like as Christians, I think we just need more education um, because like you're not gonna be able to understand anything that I've gone through, even if you, you may not even ever understand, but you have to know what to do. You can't call it like, a lot of people are like, well, we, I go to like a multi-ethnic church and all this stuff. And I'm like, how multi-ethnic is your church? Like you have to ask yourself some questions. Like um, from the pulpit, like what are people, what is your pastor talking about? He's talking about things that the whole church can relate to or just the white members of your church. The whole body needs to feel like they're a part of something. And if they don't, it doesn't work, which is why we're having this division. Like we would love for people to be like, everyone to be like, racism is wrong. You know, like this is a pure evil and we need to get rid of it and things need to change. But at the same time, there are some people who are just way into the thick of what they believe in mm -hmm. that they have to change their mind and we can't do it for them. Yeah. You know, right. which is like my biggest thing. It's like when you think about sharing the gospel with someone, you know that you can't save them. It's the Holy Spirit, you know, and you can lead them in a way that they can try to accept the Holy Spirit fully and, you know, like get, you know, get Christ into their life. But I can't force them to believe what I believe and I can't force them to hear my side of anything. If that's ultimately their decision. And it's the same with this. People have to learn for themselves. 